I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Sans Pants Radio. I close my eyes. Hey everyone, just letting you know that our sister show, Plumbing the Death Star, or as I like to call it, my show, Plumbing the Death Star, is doing a live show in Melbourne November 4 at the Eureka Hotel in Richmond. I said show a lot there in one sentence. Let's try that again. (laughs) Hey everyone, just letting you know that our sister show, Plumbing the Death Star, is doing a live show in Melbourne on November 4 at the Eureka Hotel in Richmond. I forgot the date, and you can tell, and that's okay. But November 4, you won't forget it, will you? That's good. Head to our Facebook page for all the details. There's an event set up there. Click attending. Message us, it'll be great. Or you can head to the show notes below if you just want to buy tickets because you're like, fuck yeah, of course I'm going to go. This sounds mad. Listen to how confident he is that the show will be great. Anyway, enjoy the rest of this podcast and uh, we'll see you on November 4 at Eureka Hotel. November 4. Didn't forget that time. Welcome to another episode of Movie Maintenance where some movies just need pitching. This week, Dracula. I don't think I've ever been more excited. Me neither. For a pitch in We've my life. We've been waiting for this for a really long time. Stop talking it up. Please. This might be the greatest pitch in <laughs> the history okay. of movie maintenance. My mind's not even on the pitch. It's what like scary music Zamet's going to use in the intro. <laughs> can he deliberately, can you deliberately play like Count Blackula soundtrack? <laughs> or Black yeah. Dracula? Oh, it'll, like... set, it'll set the tone beautifully. <laughs> now, just, just to get this out of the way, because I'm really excited to hear this fucking pitch. Because mm. I've been waiting for this for a very long time, Sean Carney. Mm. Is there any context you want to give us? Any like, any sort of reason you jumped on this? Any anything about previous Dracula movies, with the exception yeah. of the masterpiece Van Helsing, which we don't want oh. to insult in any way? Van Helsing is beautiful. Van Helsing's the best. Uh, okay. It's a it's a train wreck. <laughs> no, fuck you, Tom, because it's 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 fun. It's a fun watch. It's not a good movie though. But is, no, no, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> is this what the whole pitch is going to be? So then this happens. Oh, maybe it doesn't. No, nah, it doesn't actually. No, nah, never mind, guys. <laughs> oh, but yeah, it's garbage. But it's great. You it's guys great. Like it. yeah. <laughs> Just saying out there, completely unreservedly, I think Van Helsing's the best. It's not the best. I, I really, I quite enjoy it. And hell, I'd go home tonight and watch it in a heartbeat. Yeah. It's not a great film. Is it by the guys that did The Mummy and yeah, The Mummy Returns? I'm pretty Summers. sure, yeah. yeah. Stephen Summers does a good movie. Who also made G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra. Hey, hey. Mm. I like it. Ugh. I like it quite a bit, actually. It's not the one with the rock in it, though. 
Yeah, well, that one's even better, but the first one's, you know, it's pretty solid. It's got Brendan Fraser in it for two it. seconds. You're like, oh, he was in The Mummy, and this is directed by The Mummy guy, and it's great. I do like it when Brendan Fraser's in things. He's not in Van Helsing, but I do love Van Helsing. Is he in your Dracula? No, he's not, but yeah. we can get him in. We can put him in. We can. Just like we're going to find a spot for Billy Zane, surely. No, nah, you, know nah, you know what? He doesn't deserve Blanket to be band. in your Dracula. <laughs> Has there ever been, out of interest, like a really... I guess, apart from the Bella Lugosi one, which I, mm. I feel like it's more iconic than it is like a real influential classic, because apparently it's not that good a film. Has there ever been like a really stone-cold classic take on Dracula? Because Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula divides people quite a bit. I looked like on the internet last night, it's like 7.5 on IMDb. Like it's it's, it's yeah. much higher than it should be. You guys have seen it? Bram Stoker's have we all Dracula. seen it? Yeah. But yeah. Hey, the Keanu Reeves one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Oh, you haven't seen it? Oh, my God. Keanu Reeves gives the performance of his oh, career. Now he's so been voted. Good. I've often seen it in, like, a list of, like, the worst movie accents of all time. He is shocking. Oh, he's, yeah, he's I was going to do, like, I was going to put on, like, voices for my pitch, and I thought, I'll be much worse than Keanu, though. I just can't. I can't. Oh, I don't think you can. I can't. Be, yeah, I would be. Because he kind of comes at an accent by being like, oh, yeah, I reckon I can, I can give this a shot. Are you ready? Yeah. I could just imagine him on set. It's like, yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, I'm ready to go. Yeah, yeah. What are we going to do? He's terrible in it. Winona Ryder is really bad in it. Um, she's not good in she's, things. That, that film, I'll just say, has left such a bitter taste in my mouth for years. Since I saw it when I was probably like 15 or something. That anytime I see Winona Ryder and stuff now, I, I, I can't really shake it. And it took all of eight episodes of Stranger, Stranger. Things for mm. me to be like, yeah, Winona, you're all right. You're okay. I finished that, guys. It's really good. It's a great show. Okay, oh. I need to watch. Every, everybody's telling me to it's, watch it now. I need to get onto oh. it. Um, yeah, least you said just on Stranger Things. Because, yeah. Lionel, let's talk tangentially about yeah, something that we're not even sure related not. to what we're talking about. Yeah. When I saw it, I went immediately to Carney and was like, this is a show that you have to watch. Yeah. And I swear, like a week later, you'd done you exactly the same thing. thing. <laughs> I got a couple of those. People yeah. are like, it's made for you. Please watch it. And I was like, when I hear that, I'm like, fuck <laughs> I'm like, you guys. Whatever, fuck off. And then, yeah, no, nah, it is. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> so is. Oh, it's great. Oh, oh. I think, yeah, it's all I can think about. But then I had to think about Dracula. Because um, you've been teasing us with this for, I don't know, let's call yeah, it six months. Yeah, it's been about a while. Yeah, but I hadn't done a hell of a lot on it. Like, I mentioned it to Gabe. I'm like, I should do a movie maintenance on Dracula. And he, I pitched him this sort of take I have on it, uh, which is pretty different. Like, it's, this isn't at all like a, a fix on Francis Ford Coppola's one or anything like that. It's a completely different thing. And Gabe was like, oh, that sounds good as a play. You should do it as a play. And so I've been sort of exploring the, writing it as like a three-act play. And then when I had to do it for movie maintenance, I'm like, I need to make it a bit more cinematic and exciting. And this is sort of where it lands. Mm -hmm. So car chase? Oh, there's there's heaps of them. Good. No, there's not. <laughs> I love when the is this set? <laughs> yeah, there's heaps heaps of them. Um, mm. If I had to describe it as anything, it would be like Silence of the Lambs at Sea, because <laughs> it's on a boat. Um, Gabe, Gabe's frozen. <laughs> I'm so happy right now. <laughs> um, Just end it now. They're good. Yeah, Great guys. Done. Thanks, guys. Cool. You See you next comment. week. <laughs> you can reach us at. Yeah. Um, okay. So the title of the film is Dracula, Last Voyage of the Demeter. Anyone who's read the book or seen the movie, the Demeter is a really short snippet in there. Um, it's the ship that Dracula traveled from Romania to London on. Um, yeah. Bad stuff sort of happened. I've not. I've just sort of taken that. I've taken Dracula's on a boat. Cool. And I'm just doing my story with it. So yeah. you'll get what you okay. get. Here we go. Uh, Romania, 1897. We're at a busy port. There are several large ships docked. 
busy crew rush up and down the planks, loading suitcases, cargo, passengers, uh, and passengers get onto the boats. Friends and family crowd the decks. They're saying their farewells. Our camera finally settles on one ship with four giant masts. It's got a flecked and fading green and black paint job and a hard-nosed crew making preparations. We rise up above the stern and we see the Union Jack flag blowing in the breeze. Before moving down and lingering on the gold-plated name scrawled across the rear of the ship, it reads, The Demeter. Standing beside the ship is a well-built man of about 40 years old. His name is Captain Atkins and he's played by Christian Bale. He's our lead for the okay. film. Okay. 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 Kate doesn't Dave's sound impressed. Excited. I want to be in McShane. Oh, okay. No, well, I've got to be young. Bale fan. Well, to be honest. you're stuck Ooh, with him. Okay. Um, Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not budging on Bale, all right? Really? I budged last time on my choice of Hitler in the Phantom episode. <laughs> we did come back to <laughs> And then we came back, we went full circle, but it's Christian Bale. We'll, we'll carry on. Atkins, his name is Atkins. He looks over some papers. He's counting his cargo and people as they board his ship. Uh, there's a few lines on his face, a few grey streaks in his hair, and just a sort of a hint of weariness to the man. But he's focused and he's in control. A tall, well-dressed man boards the ship. He carries his own luggage. Uh, his eyes hold for a moment on a woman who's standing beside the ship on the dock. His name is Mr. Gibson, and he's played by Benedict Cumberbatch. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm on board. A broad-chested, boisterous man boards the ship. His suit is very expensive. So, too, is the fat cigar that he chomps on. His name is Jasper Hopkins, and he's played by Brendan Gleeson. Good. Yes. Good. Oh. Uh, I forgive you, Bale. I was hoping Gleason for the captain, actually, so this is this works for me. I'm glad you approve, Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to dump a lot of characters on you guys. We're going to carry on here. A greasy-haired, darkly-dressed man. Let's just call him Cerberus. Uh, he's a bit of a Snape-like character. <laughs> right. Makes sure that the crew carefully loads his cargo aboard. Dozens and dozens of wooden barrels and a box. He whistles an odd tune. Atkin's eyes linger on him for a moment before being snapped back to reality by the voice of his daughter, Elizabeth. She's about 14 years old. She has a big grin on her face and she stares at the ship. Her and her father have a nice little moment where he explains the ship to her, um, that she has to be careful at all times. It's not a safe place to play around. So so hang on, hang on. Captain's daughter on the ship. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. He tells her about the deck, captain's quarters. He's giving her a bit of a rundown on the sort of geography of the ship. Yep. Which will be helpful to the audience too. We're going to see all these oh. places. He tells her about the deck, captain's quarters, where the crew sleeps. Uh, there's probably, you know, he mentions there's probably about 20 or 30 people aboard this ship. Um, talks about the cargo hold. And he, even, he says, we even have like a makeshift prison cell on the ship. Elizabeth asks why there's a prison cell on his ship, why he needs one. And he just sort of talks it away. He's like, uh, from time to time, we've had to transport, you know, convicts or something like that. It's nothing to worry about. He tells her to run along and find her mother. Oh, oh, oh. Atkins is approached by a man named Nichols. He's the first mate on the ship, and he's Atkins' closest friend. They're like best mates. I'm picturing uh, John Hawkes to play him. You guys know John Hawkes? No. You guys don't know John Hawkes? Ed Goose knows John Hawkes. Oh, he's um, in Deadwood. He's Soul Star. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. It's a great yep. character actor. He's, I'm bored. he's a good man. Him and Christian Bale's characters, they're like best mates, all right? Through their conversation, we'll learn that Atkins is leaving Romania for good. He's returning to London after nearly 20 years away. Hence why his family, his wife and daughter, are accompanying him on the ship. He intends to deliver his last order of cargo and passengers and then build a new life with his wife and daughter. Nichols comments that he doesn't blame him wanting to get out of Romania as unsettling things have begun creeping into normal life. Both men give you know, a small shudder as at the backdrop behind them is the foreboding Carpathian Mountains. It's like a crackle of lightning hits a peak as a far-off storm sort of building and all that stuff. The ship is now packed, all is ready. Atkins lingers on the dock. He looks over to his wife, Jessica, played by Alicia Vikander. Oh, what's on here? What a surprise! <laughs> 
Hey, she's a tremendous actress. I oh, know. There's no. It wasn't a criticism. <laughs> uh, just I was curious as to know when she was going to. When she was going to appear. Were you going yeah. to age her down and make her the daughter? Who is the daughter, by the way? <laughs> oh, okay, so the daughter is um, the daughter from the Nice Guys with Rusty and Ryan Gosling. Ooh, and Gary Her yeah, and Gary Rice. Rice. Yeah, yeah. Aussie actress. She's in that. She's just been cast in Spider Man. Okay. Um, I think she's, she's about I think fifteen she's, or sixteen yeah. or something like that. I think you know that'll work. I feel like child actors are kind of a dime a dozen. If you got good cut, no, like I don't mean that negatively. I just mean <laughs> if you got good casting, you can find good ones. Yeah, no, true, yeah. true. Yeah. So um, just just go through Harry Potter and be like, oh, who yeah, could, uh... yeah, yeah. Um, her the wife's name's Jessica. Um, she's standing sort of you know just before that plank where you walk onto the ship. She's sort of hesitating. She looks as though she can't bring herself to step aboard. Atkins stands beside her. She looks him in the eye and for a long beat, and then says, "I'm begging you to reconsider. We're happy here. Our daughter was born here. It's home." Atkins shakes his head wearily. They've had this argument before. He says, "Our home is across the sea in London. Always was. We have a life here." She says. Atkins takes her by the arm roughly. And what will that life look like when all the work dries up and we're kicking around for scraps? Will we be happy then? Will we have a life then? And she looks at him and says, we'll have each other. Atkins sighs. His grip on her arm loosens. Look around you, Jessica. Last year, there were 50 ships here. The year before, 100. 150 before that. We get out of here while we still can. Everything we do is for this family. Atkins moves past her and walks up the plank to board his ship. The crew, eager to sail. Jessica lingers for a long moment. She looks over her shoulder at the dock and the town and the towering mountains in the distance, she says goodbye to her home. We jump ahead a little bit, maybe a few days later. We're at sea on the Demeter. It's windy as fuck, the storm's lashing the boat, rain's pouring down. You've got Captain Atkins, his first mate Nichols, and one or two other random crew members. They crouch down on the deck. They're wiping rain from their eyes. They're secretly watching that greasy-haired snake guy from earlier. He cautiously, he cautiously looks around, but he sees no sight of anyone. They watch on as he pulls a knife from his coat, he rounds a corner and at once the men, uh, and then the men sort of follow him. They try and see what he's doing. They lose him for a moment and then hear a sickening sound, like someone choking on blood. Atkins rounds the corner first and trips over the bleeding out body of one of his crew. Severus kneels beside the body, collecting a pool of blood into a glass vial. He's whistling that strange tune from earlier. He shouts in surprise when discovered, a look of pure terror on his face, and he makes a run for it. Atkins and the men give chase, hurtling past. Other bewildered crew and passengers are looking and going, what the hell's going on? All the while, Severus screams out, Master! Master! They follow him below deck into the cargo hold, and he's still screaming out for his master, whoever that is. Severus reaches a wooden box. He tears at its hinges with his fingernails frantically. Atkins aims uh, like a double-action pistol at Severus and commands him to freeze. Severus holds the vial of blood in a shaking hand, and he makes a fast movement with the vial. But bang, Atkins ain't fooling around and he pulls the trigger, painting the cargo bay with that greasy-haired motherfucker's brains. (laughs) The men gather around his body. Atkins wonders aloud what in the hell is in the cargo that this man was willing to kill for and willing to die for. He looks down at the wooden crate and signals his men, and together they drag the lid off, revealing the contents. It's a man. He lays asleep. But Atkins, uh, Atkins and Nichols share a knowing and terrified look. They know enough of the Romanian legends of the tales out of Transylvania to understand what they are dealing with here. It's a vampire, and not just any vampire, it's Count Dracula. And he's played by Mads Mikkelsen. Yes! Yes! (laughs) Cue the opening title, Dracula, The Last Voyage of the Demeter, and then, yeah. You happy you got that? Yes! So happy! So some some more time's passed now. We're in the captain's quarters on the ship. It's a little bit nicer. 
Uh, there's a small dinner party. There's only VIPs here. It's Atkins, his wife, Jessica, their daughter, Elizabeth. Can you really have a VIP party on a shitty Yeah, night? mate. You have anything? <laughs> it's a very small VIP party. <laughs> What's the drink? Uh, water that doesn't have piss in it. Okay, great. Yeah, good. <laughs> Give me all of that. Um, yeah, Elizabeth's there. You've got Jasper Hopkins, who's the Brennan Gleeson character, and Mr. Gibson, who's been at Cumberbatch. Um, this is like a fairly chunky sort of expositional scene in the movie. We learn that Jasper Hopkins is a very wealthy property tycoon. Uh, he's had some business ventures in Romania and throughout Eastern Europe, but now he's returning home to London to plot his next big move. He's a very lively man and commend- uh, he commands much of the tension in the room. Mr. Gibson also calls London home, but explains that his work sometimes takes him to distant corners of the world. He's a little vague and standoffish when they, you know, when they ask him what he actually does for a living. He's not really willing to disclose that. He also behaves curiously, seeming to have a not all too subtle attraction to the captain's wife, something she clearly finds discomforting. Um, Jessica's not really in a very talkative mood at dinner. She seems to still be harboring resentment towards her husband for uprooting their family. Hopkins talks glowingly of the financial possibilities awaiting in London, while Mr. Gibson remarks that it's a place for second chances. Jessica does not take kindly to either man. Elizabeth, the daughter, is also a little off, not the same sort of wide-eyed, excited child that we saw previously, but that is explained very quickly as the conversation turns to Dracula. It's here that we get an understanding of how his presence aboard the ship is having a profound impact on everyone. They speak in hushed tones about a chill feeling that swept through the crew, grim weather, cold nights unexplainable, curious happenings in the night. In the days since Dracula's capture, we learn that a handful of crewmen have perished, either killed in bizarre ways or simply vanishing. Everyone on the boat is on edge. We learn that Dracula was secured and locked away behind bars below deck. Hopkins declares a sort of mad curiosity to look upon the blood-sucking beast with his own eyes, but Atkins, Captain Atkins shuts him down. He says, declaring, nobody is to interact with Dracula under any circumstances. They've heard rumours about killing vampires and all that sort of thing, but nobody's entirely sure how to kill one. Um, and also, they're just terrified to actually open the cage and you know, they don't want to fight Dracula. He'll, he'll kill them. So they can leave him locked there. Atkins, his plan is pretty simple. It's just we're going to transport Dracula to London and when we get there, we're going to call for Abraham Van Helsing. We're going to get him to deal with it because he's like sort of an expert in the matter. And that's final. Under no circumstances are they to speak with or unlock that cage. Hopkins, who's ever the uh, opportunistic businessman, floats the idea of taking Dracula to London and sort of putting him up on stage, kind of like you know King Kong. Yeah, uh, yeah. let's make a performance out of it. Let's make money out of this, you know, this creature. Yeah, that won't backfire. Do that. Mm. (laughs) Go for it. No one will die. (laughs) Both Mr. Gibson and Hopkins quiz Atkins on his killing of Dracula's servant. Um, They ask if he too should have been held prisoner or even placed on trial. And this is where Atkins explains that any man on his ship who sins and takes the life of another has forfeited his life. That's his moral code and he stands by it completely. He's not going to budge on that. Okay, liking this. Do you know what I like about Atkins, Sean? Yeah. Is that he's, a, he's an older male who's a little yeah, bit distant, the same thing, the, uh... a bit cold. I feel like the, the listeners don't get this. I know where you're going with this. The, the quintessential Sean Carney distant father figure. <laughs> <laughs> but what's interesting though is like, mm. Your dad's a good boy. Oh, he's a great man. Like, yeah. he's not a distant, detached Stannis Baratheon of no. a man. I do love me some Stannis. He's you... my favourite character on Game of Thrones. Even though Even he, though he killed his, his daughter. daughter. I, I liked him up until probably Just two that. seconds before they lit the flame. Then I was like, oh, Stannis, what the fuck? Can I say, you categorically are still on record, though, as saying that even after that, you're like, <laughs> yeah, no, I get you. <laughs> No, yeah, yeah there was, I remember during season five like, of that episode, there was a lot of debate, and Carney was like, no, oh, I'm Team Stannis. Oh, you know, I am. And he kept saying over yeah. and over again that line... Stannis says oh, yeah, to his daughter, where he's like, mate, 
When, when a man, man knows who he is, the choice is no choice at all. Yeah. And Cardi just kept saying that. Because I love that. Anything. He's true to his character, and I really appreciate that in a character. Well, how'd it work out for him, Carney? Well, you know, we didn't see him die on screen, so I can hold on to the hope, and I'll just wait for the book to come out, and maybe it'll be different. I don't know. Anyway. We're doing yeah. a play, uh, a spin-off play of <laughs> Stannis' life. Yeah. I'll pitch a Stannis yeah. thing. Yeah. No one will watch cursed it. Cursed daughter. <laughs> Anywho, we'll continue. <laughs> uh, the dinner is interrupted by a sudden arrival of first mate Nichols. He informs them that another crew member has been found dead, like his heart's been ripped out or you know, something graphic like that. This is where we jump ahead a bit more. More time has passed. Captain Atkins, he, leads, he leans beside a door. He holds a necklace of uh, you know wooden rosary beads in his hand. His fingers run along the T of the crucifix. He takes a deep breath. His hand is shaking. He holds it with the other. He stuffs the beads around his neck and then under his shirt out of sight. Atkins opens the door but is confronted by the appearance of his wife, a grim look on her face. He demands to know what she was doing. Nobody is allowed down there. Has she gone mad? She says that she was curious. She had to see with her own eyes. Atkins is furious with her and they have words and Jessica storms away. Atkins collects himself and then descends a set of creaky wooden stairs. We stay with his point of view as he slowly enters a a dimly lit room. We see prison bars, a tiny cell. Atkins comes halfway into the room. He stands about four paces away from the cage. Behind the bars, we see a dark shape. It doesn't move. But we become aware of its breathing, rhythmic at first, but then unnatural. Atkins shivers slightly, despite all his efforts to be brave. Good evening, Captain, says Dracula, as he steps up to the bars and we see his face. So this is where the film very much becomes Silence of the Good. Lambs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting so that in. I'm so fucking in. This is very, you know, Clary Starling, Hannibal Lecter like moment. Door, yeah, <laughs> where it's like oh, he throws semen <laughs> in his face and... We can add that in Dracula's for sure. like, oh, I'll kill, I'll kill him for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a bit of a cat and mouse sort of back and forth. Long. It's quite a lengthy conversation where the balance of power is sort of shifting back and forth. We learn through Atkins that even more time has passed um, since our previous scene. The stranger events that are occurring aboard the ship have not only continued but increased in their strangeness and brutality. Uh, People are dying one by one, often very violently, sometimes in totally unexplainable ways, and that tensions amongst the crew are at a breaking point with arguments and physical fights breaking out every day. Basically what Atkins and his crew are dealing with is a serial killer. That's their, their theory. Someone aboard his ship is killing people and he needs to get to the bottom of it. Initially, he's fishing to see if, as crazy as it sounds to him, Dracula might actually be the killer, even though he's locked up the whole time and you know, can't get out of the cell. Once he's satisfied that it isn't Dracula, he's essentially using him to collect information. As Dracula is you know, an infamous killer himself, Atkins wants to milk him for information you know, on the mindset, try and find out who's doing this. This all plays into Dracula's hands beautifully. He's this centuries-old creature. He's probably bored. He can pull all the strings he wants and have fun. He can do whatever he wants from behind the bars. The topic turns to the captain's wife, Jessica, but Dracula's you know, pretty cryptic about what their conversation was. Uh, Dracula's baiting Atkins now. He's taunting him that he's all alone. He cannot trust anyone, not his wife, not his friends, not the money-hungry passengers he dines with, that he shouldn't even trust himself. All the time he's spent at sea, he can mess with his brain. He thinks one thing, but perhaps he acts on another, that men are weak. Atkins declares that he has more faith in men than whatever the hell abomination Dracula was. People remain true. Dracula smirks. Dracula says that he admires that the captain remains a man of principle, no matter what. As Atkins leaves the cell and climbs the stairs, we hear that familiar whistle from earlier in the film. This time it's Dracula. It gives Atkins pause for a moment, but then he keeps climbing. 
Dracula keeps whistling. The chains around his hands are chinking and we can hear them against the bars. Atkins emerges from below. He spies his wife in conversation with Mr. Gibson. When he approaches, Gibson makes a hasty excuse and departs. Jessica is evasive. She doesn't want to talk. Atkins asks, why do I find you talking to every man and beast aboard this ship but me? She remarks that there are nothing but men aboard this ship. Atkins raises his voice. And what of your daughter, who doesn't speak for fear of what's happening around her or eat for days on end? What of her? Jessica, too, raises her voice. And what do you do for our daughter, she asks. Everything I do is for this family, he says. And she says, the best thing you could do right now for this family is find land. Later, Atkins and Nichols at the wheel. The compass is malfunctioning, the wind has stopped completely, and a naturally thick fog has descended all around them. Finding land just became ten times as difficult. Tensions on board are at an all-time high. Crew continue to die and petty squabbles are rising. Atkins is confronted by Mr. Gibson, who demands answers as to how long this voyage, uh, this voyage will go for. When are we going to find land? He wants to know. He's anxious to get off this boat. While behind the scenes, Hopkins concocts this grand plan to whisk Dracula away upon docking in London and launch an, extra, uh, an extravagant show with the vampire as the centrepiece. Hopkins has even secured the assistance of some of the shadier members of the crew in smuggling Dracula away should the captain not see sense and join their endeavour. One of those shady members of the crew should, yep. should be Grant Bowler. <laughs> yeah. Because yep. I feel like... He knows his way around a boat. He knows his way yeah. around a boat, as he's proven in Lost, and he's yep. good at being like a bit part dickhead. And he did, host, he did host the mole. Now, oh. see, Ben Mendelsohn was in it, he'd have to have a bigger part. Yes, he could be a Severus yeah. person. I mean, oh, but he yeah. would have to be a bigger part. Would, so Severus is Renfield, yeah? But he died. No. Like, Severus is just a random yeah, greasy yeah, yeah. head. Yeah, he's already dead. So he's basically the f- the familiar of Dracula. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now that could definitely be Ben Mendelsohn. Although I kind of want, if you're going to have Ben Mendelsohn in the film, he, he should be Ben Mendelsohn. He should be Dracula. Okay. No, or no, do you just or you just make a character for him? So you just make. I'll tell you who I wanted. I'll tell you who I thought. He's a douchebag member of the crew. Ben Mendelsohn could be Gibson. I could see that. Yeah. I do like me some Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Is 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 he a bit too distracting though? I almost I had him as the captain. And Christian Bale as the as Mr. Gibson, but then I, I flipped him. Yeah, I, think I, think what if, I just I buy Christian Bale as like yeah. a sort of rough. Hang on, captain. what if you put Ben Mendelsohn as the captain? Yeah, I could get because behind it. That... I don't love him as much as you guys do. Oh. Okay, I, I really love Ben Mendelsohn. See, I, I'm thinking now, uh, keep keep Bale the captain, I'll give yeah. you that. But if you get it, you should have like so if there's a first mate, there's also someone else on the crew. So you almost need like what, the the thing that Atkins is dealing with is he's dealing with the crew and the people who are on, on his side, yep. led by John Hawkes. But then there's also going to be like members of the crew who are dicks who are like, no, we don't trust you. Like a bit of a mutiny kind of thing. Yeah, yeah definitely. Ben Mendelsohn should be the leader of that and they should be the guys that Gleason goes to to get them to. I buy into that completely. That's, yeah, all that's right. good. That works. Done. Um, I originally, before I thought Mads, Viggo Mortensen was my Dracula. Mm. Mm. He could be the captain though. Yeah, he was also my ship captain. Um, <laughs> he can play both. That would be really just, interesting. For some, yeah, I don't know. I don't see like, uh, when I've been thinking of which actors can play who, it's always been like, I pick one, I go, well, he's either Captain or Dracula. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're kind of going hand in hand a little bit. But yeah, Is that a thing? Or like, are they mirrors of each other? I think <sighs> in a film like this, you, they kind of have to be, don't they? Let's hope that as Woodland it plays Angel? out, that's what happens. Yeah. I haven't sort of like intended that, but that's good. That's something I really should. No, let's see. Like, Zamet, re-record this and we'll just see if it works. <laughs> <laughs> no, if um, on the on the Vigo yeah. point... I thought you were going to say Ray Fiennes. Yeah, Ray Fiennes was. He's a very obvious Dracula. Ray, Ray Fiennes. Yeah, absolutely. He's, yeah. He's, he's Hang on. Dracula's Voldemort. Yeah. Yeah. Menacing. <laughs> no, Mads Mikkelsen is a perfect Dracula. I'm not saying he's not perfect, but is he not obvious? <laughs> he's Scandinavian. 
I and played Hannibal. Hannibal. <laughs> I, I do. No, but I, I would, I would take more Ray so, Fiennes more. Um, yeah, if you told me Ray Fiennes was Dracula, I'd be like, oh, of course. He's... What's the difference yeah. between him? And yeah, Voldemort, exactly. Yeah. Well, the difference would be that Dracula is kind of terrifying, and Voldemort's just. A Dracula noseless a nose. and dickless yeah. <laughs> pasty <laughs> creature. Yeah. He definitely doesn't have a penis, does he? No, there's no way. We no. got oh, into this during the course even... your first oh, yeah. child chat, but yeah. Uh, yeah, no, there's no way. <laughs> it took this up a lot of our time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to spoil you, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, discussions amongst the crew have reached Atkins' ears and he's not pleased. Uh, there's unhappiness and fear amongst the men that the captain has spoken with Dracula uh, and he's behaving sort of erratically, though everyone is, but, you know. Things are so tense that people are sort of behaving irrationally. Some are starting to question whether the captain may indeed be the killer himself. All the while, Atkins is dealing with a barrage of issues from all sides. What is his wife up to? How can he get uh, how can he get them through this situation and to land for the sake of his daughter and his men? How can he stop the pestering Mister Gibson? And just who in the damn hell is killing everyone aboard his ship? Could it be Hopkins? Uh, perhaps he thinks you know the legend of Dracula might grow and he might make more money out of him you know with each and every death on the ship. Could be Mr. Gibson, who he's still yet to figure out. And what the hell did his wife have to do with all of this? There were even moments when he looked in the mirror and couldn't account for every hour of his own day. Having been stuck on the ship for weeks on end, surrounded by misery and murder and the very presence of Dracula, Atkins didn't know what to believe anymore. I, I like this. But see, Christian Bale... And I know you're not a fan of him, but Christian Bale is perfect for this because you can just slowly see him. Yeah, but Christian Bale's not likable, though. He's not a likable actor. Like, you don't watch him and relate to him. You watch him and you're just kind of like, yeah, but I think of something I've seen Bale in where I've liked him. Have you liked him in anything? Dark Knight. That's a good point. No, but you don't really like Bruce Wayne. You don't watch that and think, I relate to an. You like the Joker. You like Harvey Dent. Yeah. Do you know who I was just about to say? I was like, oh, what about the Prestige? I'm like, no, he's a dickhead in the Prestige. No, but Prestige kind of. Flips, you know what I mean? No, can it I just say there is that bit. one beat in the prestige where you like where you're him, on his side, yeah. I love you, in sh- not today. That's that's where you go. Oh. I come back to him towards the end too. I'll be quite honest. That movie kind of flips you. Like you, you you're on Hugh Jackman's side for the majority. By of By the it, end of it, you're on Hugh Jackman's side though. There's a great no, article, no, not by the end. Because um, by the end, he's a piece of shit. No, no. The, the last I'll beat of the film. I think you, we've talked about this before. Angia does this. Uh, Hugh Jackman does this little speech at the end where he says what his motivations were, and even though he's been sort of the bad guy for the last probably twenty minutes of the film, you come back to him and go, "Oh, I get you." That's what I'm saying. So by yeah. the end of the film, you are back. You're yeah. on Hugh Jackman's side and not on Bale. So I, I do understand what you're saying with Bale. So I think what you do is you you make Vikander or Elizabeth hmm. the the protagonist, the, not necessarily the protagonist, but maybe your point of relation. Your point of relation, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it, it's still Bale's film, and he the captain is still the the complicated that's, protagonist. That's a, a good idea. Vulture article, which is literally called "Christian Bale is our least relatable movie star," and it's true. Like you read it, and you're sort of like, I actually don't watch a Christian Bale film and ever connect with or engage with his character. I feel like I admire his work, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah, but I can't even put my finger on what it is. I, I watch him, I'm like, yeah, I think you're a good actor, and I think you are always believable, but I never invest in what you're doing. See. I, oh, I just, he's just perfect. He's, he's. I'm thinking about this guy slowly losing his mind on this boat, and I don't know if you guys have seen The Machinist, but that is no, all I'm thinking. No, okay. I haven't seen it. It's, uh, it's. Do yourself a favor, see The Machinist. Uh, yeah. You won't, you can't ever watch it twice. Yeah. What are those? Grim. It, it just, it's just basically this guy can't sleep. I hate movies where characters can't sleep. I get Insomnia. so fucking tired for them. Insomnia, the movie, oh. not the uh, condition. Um, <laughs> so tired. So anyway, yeah. 
Atkins is losing it. Atkins is losing it. Oh, a serious sorry. fight breaks yeah, out. Whatever happens. <laughs> sorry, Dave. <laughs> That's all right. A serious fight's broken out amongst the crew. It's first mate Nichols, our boy Johnny Hawks, who no one fucking knows. I like him. Um, I thought him up, but I didn't even recognize. I knew I've watched Deadwood. I didn't even recognize him from Deadwood. Really? No, I don't. It's been a long it's time. Really so good. He's a good character actor. He's in like heaps of stuff. Deadwood's the only thing I remember. I can't like off the top of my head. I'm like, what's John Hawks in? Oh, he's bound and down. He's he's good in that. Uh, yeah. So. Nichols, it's first mate Nichols, and he's fighting another crewman. The reasons of the fight are pretty petty, but everyone's so worked up that it's just these things are going to happen. These fights break out. The scuffle quickly gets out of hand. A great commotion caused as everyone, you know, everyone on board the ship is gathering to watch it. Nichols, in a moment of madness, kills the man before hurling his body overboard where it's swallowed by the sea. Nichols shakes with rage, but it soon subsides and he finds himself standing in the middle of everybody with like, you know, what have I done? It's written all over his face. He looks into the eyes of Captain Atkins, who looks down on the scene, his best friend in the whole world. The weary crew look from Nichols to their captain. They know the laws of this ship that he commands. Any life taken is paid for. Atkins looks down at his friend sadly. He hesitates for a long moment. As his men, his wife, his daughter, Hopkins and Mr Gibson, they all watch on. First mate Nichols, he says, his trembling voice growing stronger. I sentence you to die. Murmurs break out amongst the crew. Jessica reaches out for his arm, but Atkins pushes her aside. He motions his men to seize Nichols. They force him to his knees, and Atkins aims his pistol at Nichols' head, his hands visibly shaking. Elizabeth begs her father for mercy, but he tells her to be silent. She hides in her mother's arms. Atkins looks back at his kneeling friend. If it were going to be anyone, I'm glad it's you, says Nichols. Atkins fights back tears as he says, don't. At least let me die on my feet. Going out for a swim, he says, and he motions to the side of the ship to the water. Atkins nods, and the men let Nichols stand. He takes position at the edge of the ship, looking out at the thrashing water. He turns and looks directly at Atkins, past the barrel of the gun and into his friend's eyes. I would have followed you into hell, my friend. My brother. My captain. Nichols turns his back on the captain and looks out at the water. Turn around, Atkins barks. Face me, goddammit, but Nichols smiles. Still with his back turned, he says, no. If you're going to shoot me, it's going to be in the bang. Atkins fires and we watch Nichols' body spill overboard and into the water. We hold on the stunned silence of the crew, Jessica, of Elizabeth, and then finally we hold on the hot tears that run down Atkins' face. Christian Bale, it has to be Christian Bale. Because he... I could see that so clearly. Not not so much Christian Bale, but just that scene. Like playing out, it just. It, when I was thinking of it, it's kind of like a. It, it reminds me of uh, Theon Greyjoy when he's killing Sir Roger. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. that sort of thing. Where everyone's exactly. watching, and yeah. everyone's watching, and it, you could, it could be rainy, and, and it's that music building, yeah. yeah. And you, you almost want to build up like a relationship between Nichols and the daughter, like maybe it's like yeah, a, that, that, would, like that would be something or definitely. something, yeah, yeah, yeah. Close, and then you. Yeah. Oh, it could be the that would be perfect. Perfect. Just be doing a bit of a Sir Davos. We just keep going. Oh, remember that time in Game of Thrones? It's like this, but like a Sir Davos kind of moment where he's like being friendly to her when she's feeling a bit down and frightened. Yeah, by yeah, that would be great because really. I'd love to give the daughter more to do because she doesn't have much to do really. So you'd have a great moment, like you know, oh, I'm, what, what's well, why can't you sleep? I'm scared of vampires, and he's like, oh, yeah. I'll protect you, and he like yeah, puts a garlic he, around her neck, and he's like, come perfect. on, let's yeah. fight the vampires together, and then she goes to sleep, and then he dies. Perfect. Yeah, good. Everyone, um, just imagine that that happened. <laughs> okay. <laughs> while, while this is going on, yeah. Have you considered the possibility of either as the gunshot happens, you don't, you either don't see the gunshot yep. straight away, you're below deck. You want to see Dracula. And you just, you don't see even just this much of him. Just see his fucking and just smile. just as the gun goes, he just smiles. <laughs> oh! Yeah. And then you go back up on top of the deck. Yes. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> okay. What's happening next? Continue. 
again, a bit of time has passed. That thick fog still persists. Um, there's no wind to blow it away. They can't find land. They they just sort of stranded out on the ocean. This is jump. We've jumped forward probably a week or so. All of the crew are dead. Uh, every single person aboard the ship is dead, apart from Atkins, Jessica, Elizabeth, Hopkins, and Mister Gibson. Basically, everyone we had in the VIP dinner at the start. Maybe Ben Mendelsohn, <laughs> unless he's the one that that Nichols kills. Yeah, he probably would have been. Yeah, if we go down the Ben Mendelsohn path and beef that character up. They would have fought and he would have died probably. Yeah, cool. All of you know, all the crew have either mysteriously vanished, been uh, killed themselves, or been brutally murdered. In the face of death, despair, and madness, and with all hope lost, the survivors assemble in the only place aboard the ship that seems remotely safe, below the deck with Dracula. As oh. crazy as that sounds. Oh, man. They each sit slumped against the wall. Um, this is where, like, I imagine it. Imagine they're all wearing, like, a heavy horcrux. Like, the presence of Dracula is like wearing a Horcrux. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They feel like garbage and they're just like, they're not themselves and it's just, it's this poison, basically. He sits there behind uh, behind bars in his cage, chained and extremely entertained. Atkins, Jessica Hopkins and Mr. Gibson all pick away at each other, while Elizabeth, um, she's terrified, huddles quietly in the corner, too scared to even move. Atkins and Hopkins uh, bicker over over Hopkins' continued insistence that they can, he's still... He's he's a madman. He still thinks they're going to make money from Dracula. He's he's so blinded by dollars, he can't wrap his head around the prospect of never setting foot on dry land again, let alone surviving this thing. Dracula, you know, takes delight in poking and prodding each combatant. Um, yeah, he's just grandly pulling the strings here. Uh, just quickly, yeah, you are going to have to have them try to kill Dracula. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Like if they don't know how to kill him, that's cool. But like, I actually, yeah, I I didn't put that in, but I kind of wanted like the the Ben Mendelsohn section of the Rogue Crew to kind of be like, Captain says we can't talk to him. Fuck that, and they go down there and try and kill him somehow. Yeah, and, and, they, and, and they, they fuck that's it a up. Really good scene. As yeah. well, you know, you that is that, that's and definitely that, what that I need to be what put Nichols in. was doing. Yeah, he yeah. saw them going in to kill them. And he, he tries like, to no, stop you're them, and then yeah, stop them, kills the guy. Um, and that way you've explained why. Because I feel like the crew, even if they know, by this point, if you've lost, you're absolutely right. I can't. I don't know why I forgot. Yeah, if nobody knows, like it's a sacred heart or whatever, then yeah, you know, they need to go down there and have tried to shoot him. Yeah, or you can even have a scene like 
They'd all be too terrified to open the, the cage and actually let him and out. And someone dies. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I don't know how you get around that, but like it, it proves that, that should be the for thing. some reason actually, that he didn't perfect. do it. Yeah. You'd have Even them take, like, take turns. What, like, yeah. You're on watch and then they all just... Someone like, dies, yeah. but he was there the whole time. Yeah, that's perfect. Cool. Okay, so... Um, I'm enjoying these fixes on the go. This is good. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jessica attacks, you know, uh, gets into her husband over his uh, insistence to leave Romania. She's sort of still going on about that. Um, that he's broken their family. This makes Mr. Gibson scoff. Though when questioned by Atkins, he doesn't really relent. Atkins demands, like, what in the hell is your relationship with my wife? I demand you tell me. Mr. Gibson stares him down defiantly. I believe it's your wife's place to say and not mine. Jessica says nothing. She looks at her husband. She tries to speak, but she breaks down, words failing her. Very well, says Mr. Gibson. Allow me. And he goes on to explain what he does for a living. He's a detective from London, a private detective. He was hired by a wealthy family to investigate a certain matter and to find the whereabouts of an international fugitive. Many years ago, Jessica lived in London. She had all her life. She also killed a man. She killed him and stole a collection of jewels and then fled London and justice. She found herself in Eastern Europe where she oh. met Atkins, married, and had a daughter. Mr. Gibson has spent the last three years searching for her and upon finding her in Romania had followed her trail. Once he discovered she intended to move back to London with her family, he decided to simply travel close by and make sure she arrived safely without blowing his or her cover. The simple truth of it all was that once Jessica sets foot in London, she'll be arrested and sentenced to death for her crimes. Oh, fuck. The room erupts. Hopkins demands they seize her immediately, declaring that they've discovered the identity of the murderer. Mr. Gibson argues that she couldn't be the killer because he's been watching her closely. They both argue back and forth about the pros and cons of Jessica being the murderer on the ship. The whole time, though, she doesn't take her eyes off Atkins. He can't look at her. Finally, he does. The look on his face nearly breaks her in half. Why did you do it? Kill that man. And she's sort of struggling for words and she's, he hurt my mother. I didn't mean to it. I, I didn't mean for it to happen. Uh, it doesn't even matter anymore. What matters is it's true. I did it. That's why I never wanted to come back to London. I never wanted you to know. I never wanted any of this. A laugh from the corner. Dracula stands Dracula up in his cage. And he hugs the bars. He looks down on Atkins, still laughing. Tell me, Captain, do you still have faith in men? Atkins rises to his feet and aims his... That is such a good fucking line. <laughs> oh. that, is, that is that is your your moment where like... So the trail, the teaser trailer yeah. is 30 seconds. Yeah. It's like a bell chiming of like boats and there's like the fog and boat and blood and then just it goes pitch black and you just hear, <laughs> tell me, Captain, do you still have faith in men? <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, Atkins rises to his feet. He aims his pistol at Dracula. More laughter from the Count. Go on, you fool. I'll chew on that bullet and spit it out. You can empty every round if you like. We've got nothing but time. Atkins takes a deep breath. He turns his back on Dracula. He kneels down beside his wife and takes her hand. It's okay, he says. She smiles. She came to see me, says Dracula, your wife. You know what she asked for? For me to kill Mr. Gibson here. She would free me when we reach London. In return, I'd make her debts disappear. Mr. Gibson turns to Dracula and says, you might not find me so easy to kill, Count. Dracula smirks, perhaps. Your fate is nothing to me, detective. You're all insects, little ants circling back and forth, fighting over scraps, bickering and fighting and falling in and out of each other's tangle until your day's end, and they surely will. Mine do not. We each have one light. Isn't that right, Captain? Dracula sort of trails off here. He's getting a bit weird, and he's, he's sort of muttering to himself, one light. Atkins holds Jessica's hand. It's okay. 
You're going to be okay. She looks at him as if saying how, and he says, everything you ever did was for your family. Dracula looks down at them, an indifferent look on his face. This man that he has tried so hard to break still clings to hope. It was unacceptable. And then we hear whistling, a familiar tune, the tune we heard at the start from Dracula's servant and then from Dracula, and now we hear it again. Atkins turns to Dracula to tell him to be silent. Oh, no. But he sees that the Count's lips do not move. The sound does not come from him. He looks to Mr. Gibson, to Hopkins, to his wife. No. Oh, no. Who is it? And then finally, his daughter. (gasps) She sits motionless in the corner. She whistles louder and louder. Dracula grins wider and wider. He joins in the whistling. Elizabeth, still hiding her face, starts to murmur something. Jessica, confused and frightened, leans in towards her daughter, trying to hear her. Elizabeth, it's okay, darling. What are you saying? Elizabeth stops for a moment, and then we hear her. The blood is the life. And like that, she launches at her mother's throat. (laughs) Her teeth tearing out her jugular and spitting it halfway across the room before anyone can even react. Atkins goes into total shock. He clutches Jessica's body in his arms as her life slips away. Elizabeth leaps over them and the pooling blood. She pounces onto Hopkins' back and he struggles to keep her teeth away from his ample neck. Mr. Gibson springs into action, his sidearm out in a flash, but his gentlemanly warnings for her to release Hopkins go unnoticed. Shoot it, screams Hopkins, pleading with him. Mr. Gibson takes aim, but is tackled to the ground by Atkins. That's still his daughter. Both he and Gibson climb to their feet and attempt to pull Elizabeth off of Hopkins, but they are thrown back forcefully. She sinks her teeth into his neck. Blood stains his fancy suit and he sinks to his knees, begging for his life, begging for his mummy, and oddly still offering to pay his way out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Make her stop, screams Atkins, gun raised at Dracula. He screams again. Elizabeth moves on from the now lifeless Hopkins and eyes Mr. Gibson hungrily. He removes his jacket and rolls up his sleeves. He won't go down (laughs) without a fight. She lunges at him. He throws his jacket at her face, covering her eyes. And she spins in a blind circle. He clocks her in the head hard with the butt of his gun and she goes crashing to the ground. Gibson spins around and takes aim at Dracula. He fires, uh, he fires at him, the bullet ricocheting off the bars. Atkins dives for cover as Gibson fires again and again and again. Dracula takes the bullets. He barely moves. Nothing changes, not his stance nor his grin. Mr. Gibson cries out in pain. Elizabeth has him by the ankle, uh, teeth buried deep. She claws her way up his leg. Her bites bringing him to his knees and she hungrily feasts on him. He cries out in agony. Atkins takes aim at Mr. Gibson. They lock eyes for a moment and nod. Atkins fires, ending his pain. Elizabeth swings around, wiping blood from her pale face. Her eyes are vacant. Atkins knows there's nothing of his little girl left inside. She doesn't move, as if awaiting command from her master. You spent all this time looking for a killer, said Dracula, and she was right under your nose. It was almost too easy in the end. Atkins says, what did you do to her? And Dracula just looks at him and says, I whispered in her ear. Can she feel it? Asks Atkins, his eyes not leaving his daughter. She feels everything. Pain? He asks. Oh, yes. For how long? Is up to you. Elizabeth charges at him. She pushes his hand away as he pulls the trigger on his pistol. The bullet thuds into the wall. His gun clicks. It's empty. She drags him to the ground. Her mouth is just inches from his neck. He can hear her ragged, strangled breathing. She doesn't sound alive, not anymore. He tries to tell her he's sorry, that he's sorry for everything, but he's drowned out by her hungry attempts to sink her teeth into him. He wrestles her, turning her over. He slides an arm around her throat and locks it in with the other hand. He pulls as hard as he can, locking the grip. 
She struggles against him furiously, but he won't budge. He's slowly choking her out. Spit flies from her mouth. In all the effort, tears stream down his face. He says he's sorry. He keeps saying it and saying it and saying it until the words taste salty in his mouth from all the tears and he can no longer see straight. Until long after she breathes her last ragged breath, until she no longer moves and looks less the ravaging monster and more like the little baby he'd held in his arms. (sighs) Sean. After a long time, Atkins gently rests his daughter's head on the floor, rises to his feet and stands before Dracula face to face. He looks him in the eye and asks why. Dracula doesn't look away. He replies, because I once loved I once loved someone so completely, someone special, made of the same stuff as stars, free of any evil, and she was ripped away from me by men such as you. I've fought men like you my entire life, and for 400 years I've carried that, and I've lived with it, the weight of it. The pain you feel right now, I've carried for centuries. So when you look up at me and ask why, I look down on you and I say, why not? Because I can because I choose to. And now it's your choice, Captain. I will go from here and carry on, but your story ends here. Dracula points to the floor where Mr. Gibson's fallen pistol has one bullet remaining, and one is all he needs. Atkins turns his back on Dracula. He sinks to his knees and picks up the pistol. He looks from his daughter's body to his wife's. He closes his eyes and raises the pistol to his head. His finger tenses on the trigger. Dracula smiles behind him. But then, he opens his eyes. He rises to his feet. He spins around to face Dracula. He aims the gun at him. Dracula just laughs, insisting that it's a waste of a bullet. Atkins shakes his head. It's not a waste, he says. Atkins lowers the gun and takes aim at the lock, blowing it apart. Then he throws the gun to the ground. Dracula looks at him almost in disbelief as the cage door slowly and loudly swings open. Now there's nothing separating the pair. Dracula slowly walks forward. They're but a few steps apart. They look at each other for a moment, and then the fight begins. Atkins charges, hurtling Dracula against the cage and hitting his face with every damn bit of energy he has left. Dracula, admittedly in a weakened state, still absorbs the blows with ease. He knows this is a total mismatch, knows he could end it in an instant, but there's something about the feel of skin on his face and the feel of the hit, the taste of blood in his mouth that makes him feel more alive than he has in a very long time. And so the two slug it out, Dracula holding back but still enjoying a good old-fashioned brawl. They each throw each other across the room, every inch of the room, tripping over dead bodies as they go. Dracula occasionally falling to his knees and licking fresh blood from the corpses, growing stronger and stronger with each taste. Eventually fatigue sets in for Atkins, and the stronger Dracula grows, the more Atkins' punches feel less like hitting skin and more like hitting concrete. He collapses to the floor in a bloody mess, completely spent. Dracula licks blood from his fingers as Atkins slumps down next to his wife. Dracula inspects Mr. Gibson's clothing. Hopkins is too bloodstained. He removes Gibson's jacket and puts it on. Not a bad fit. He also draws a large knife from Gibson's belt. Behind him, Atkins drags his daughter's body so that she now lays with he and his wife. Dracula looks down at them. He holds the knife in his hand. He hesitates and then hands it to Atkins, giving him a knowing look. Dracula takes one last look around the room before climbing the stairs and stepping out into the fresh air. We stay with Captain Atkins. He grasps the knife tight. He looks from his wife to his daughter and he says, I love you. He buries the knife into his stomach and slowly bleeds out in the arms of his family. Up on deck, the fog has cleared. The sun is rising and we see our first glimpse of London. 
as the ship pulls into the dock perfectly. The landing plank is lowered. Dracula breathes in the crisp air. He does up his jacket and walks down the ramp, off the ship and onto dry land. He softly whistles a familiar tune as he strolls away from the Demeter. Oh, uh. <laughs> wow. Ooh. Oh, man. It's a bit bleak. Yeah. <sighs> Take Feel all my movie. money. Uh, oh, man, I'm so glad. So glad we, we got to wait for that. That's definitely worth it. So the whole time is the daughter the one killing everyone? Yeah, I think it... the majority of like the weird, brutal deaths are the daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still instances because all the people, they're just going mad with the fear and all sorts of, it's the Horcrux effect. They're going mm-hmm. mad. Uh, people are like throw themselves off the boat. They kill each other and, and that sort of thing. But the majority of the deaths, yeah, it's the daughter. You could have a great death of a guy like just, you know, Nichols and Atkins in this moment of chaos. They're like, no, everything's going to be fine. We're going to be okay. It's going to be all right. We've got to keep the crew calm and together. And the guy on the crow's nest just decides to kill himself and just goes, bang. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Who plays that guy? <laughs> uh, ben Mendelsohn. Oh, yes. He just play everyone. See, oh, man, it's so good. It's so good. Is there the only criticism, and this is just personal taste, yeah. I'm not, I really don't like suicide endings. I think they're too yeah. easy. Is there I'll tell you, something I'll tell you. smarter you can do? Like, does Dracula turn him? Oh, or that's something. I don't know what you do with that. My preference, like, uh, I I'm, I agree with you on that. Like in stories, I like I don't really like suicide endings, and so my preference would probably be for Dracula to kill him. However, I really like the idea that you've got Dracula on this boat and like thirty people die, he and didn't Dracula kill didn't anyone? kill anybody. Yeah, yeah. I really I like that, that he that gets on and he walks off the boat, and he's like, I didn't kill anybody. The assumption in the book, and yeah, the assumption yeah, in the book and all the movies, everyone. yeah, is that Dracula is the person who's killed everybody. I like this idea that that not necessarily suicide ending, but Dracula can keep the knife and just leave him to die on the boat. Doesn't have that, you know that. You know what? That's yeah, and just walk off the boat, and that. he's just kind of lying there bleeding, and then the and boat that final, goes into yeah. dock. Dracula wanders off. You could even do, if you were into this, Dracula kind of walks off into London, other the end of Silence of the Lambs, where you see yep, yep, him yep. Yep. disappearing, disappearing into the crowd, into the crowd yeah. and you can no longer see him. Do you then, you know, go back to the crew, like walking aboard the ship, looking in the ship, and they just like walk into the into the, the bows of the boat. Yeah. And as they got, they find the body and, and they're walking and looking at the boat and Atkins is just alive and he just like grabs a cop or he grabs someone and he's just like, he's here or something crap like that. But better. I can get behind that. And then it's just like, and then he dies. Or do you just see, do you just leave him on the boat? You don't see his death on screen. He's just with his family and you kind of have this nice moment. Yeah. Or do you have the, you know, the the kind of usual suspects ending where like, you know, somebody walks in the boat, they see all these bodies. They're like, oh shit, they call the police. Police kind of come running in. They swarm the boat. They've got their guns out and they run down the stairs and they find Atkins like bleeding out. And Atkins like says something like, he's here, he's here, get him, get him. Then you have them like running out, but there's just, there's no one there. It's just like a crowd of people and you don't know who it is. Like the you know the any of the usual suspects where he just disappears yeah. and it's like it's too late. We I actually Dracula I, walk off the boat and go quick quick. You know you have to help. There's something awful has happened on board and then just disappears into the crowd. Maybe yeah. I I, I like that. I like all of those ideas better than what I. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah no like because I don't like suicide endings, but I just I didn't I. I I wanted to stick true to one element of the book, which is that everyone on the ship yeah, dies. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah. But I do like the idea of just him. He's probably bleeding out from like this brutal fight, and he's just in the arms of his family. And then that's fine. You just leave him at that. You don't yeah, see him die. Um, you don't have that incredibly grim thing where he you know, stabs himself. It's chilling as fuck, man. Yeah. It's very, very good. That that speech. 
Ural incest. Oh, <laughs> God. I can just hear it in like in Mads Mikkelsen. Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just. He's just perfect. This, just I the... actually can't think of a better Dracula than, than Mads No, Mads he's Mads ideal. Um, yeah, the only other person I ever considered was Ray Fiennes or uh, Viggo Mortensen. Um, yeah. There has been this long. There's, there's a film in development with the same title um, for years. I think Neil Marshall was attached to director probably like three years ago, but nothing really happens with it. It's the last voyage of the Demeter, but I think it's very much what the book is, and it'll be yeah, like sure. you've got your crew on there, and Dracula's like picking them off like a serial killer type. No, movie. I, th- I think yours is much yeah. more interesting. I like that more. That- I like. Yeah. I like the thing I like about it is that Dracula doesn't kill anybody. It's kind of like the madness of men that kind of just takes a hold and, and kills it. people. Yeah. So is it kind of like a murder mystery? Will everyone? Have some sort of suspicion yes. to them. I want. I would develop it more and yeah. have like at a certain point in the movie, you think it's the wife. At a certain point, you think it's Gibson. You think it's. Well, I did think it was going to be the wife at one point. I figured yeah. out the daughter about halfway through. Yeah. Um, I tried well, to throw you off, guys, by being like, you don't "Oh, have much. I, that's a good idea." I don't know much for the daughter, so I'd like to give her a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, yeah, I, it I, worked. It worked. Yeah. No. <laughs> you got me. Was good. I was yeah, you like the daughter. When you were like, I don't have. Much. I know that Gabe knew it as I was like saying, and Gabe, I think he was looking to you. I worked it out as it was happening, but yeah. I thought you were going to go Alicia Vikander. You know, she wanted to me to kill Gibson, and I said, "Well, you can kill Gibson. Here's some powers." Yeah, but yeah, you which um, could work. <laughs> no, I definitely. I, th- I think I knew because when he said, "I don't have much for her to do," I was like, "So why is she in this then? Yes. Because what's her role going to be if she's she, if she's just there? Because she's going to die because yep. she has to die because yep. everybody ends up dead." And I was like, she doesn't exist just to die because you don't write like that. Mm. So I think that was the point where I was yeah. like, yeah, she's going to Like if I went to expand this and write it as like a script or whatever, I would definitely give her more scenes. Like that's why um, I can't remember which one of you guys had the idea for her to get along well with Nichols. Stuff like that. I would really give the daughter more. I want more moments between the captain and the daughter. Like they have a nice yeah, moment absolutely. at the start where it explains the ship to her, but then like have like a few um, – sort of big moments between them. And then, yeah, then it hurts more when she's whistling at the end. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What, what are they whistling? See, I can't whistle. So I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I tried to, last night I tried to find like an old like Transylvanian or Romanian like song or something like that or something that they could be humming. But yeah, that's I don't the, know. That's the Some music sort of exam. Folk, should do Some sort of folk thing, thing, yeah. yeah. Some about like, thing. It's not a folk song, but something. It needs to be something you know just Hungarian a little bit. suicide song? No. Oh, it's, it's called. Do you remember the Hungarian? Hang on, hang on. Yeah. It's called. I think that came out. It's this. It's an old song from like the nineteen twenties or something. Should it be the intro to the but episode? It's, <laughs> it's chilling. It's called. Yeah. It's known. It's called um, "Gloomy Sunday," and it's known as a Hungarian suicide song. And okay. the reason there's an urban legend that goes with this song that people kill themselves to this song. Okay. A lot. Okay. And that you know, I think the writer of the song like killed himself like not long after writing it. And people have, like, killed themselves with the song, like, in their pockets or, like, the lyrics and things like that. And basically... I don't want to listen to this song, Dad. It's it's no. really unsettling. We'll use, it, we'll use it in the teaser trailer for this it's film. It's not no, actually we'll that... Song. No. It's not that creepy a song, but, like, when, when you hear it, you're like, oh, that's a bit of a grim song. But then when you hear it thinking people kill themselves with this song, suddenly it just takes on this whole different significance. It's really yeah. unsettling. It's your teaser really... song, da 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 until... Yeah. You still have faith. Oh, God, oh, no, I'm imagining it with the song and it... Ugh. And just like shots song. of a boat really quickly in that like trailer mm-hmm. sense of boat, 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 no, not boat, even boat. quickly, just like a slow, like a hold of like the creaking boat in the water. Yeah, yeah. A hold of like the do, ragged sails. Do any of the men try and like take a lifeboat and get off? I don't think there's any lifeboats on this thing, but a lot of the men go mad and just jump overboard and die. Mm-hmm. That's You could even have like a moment of, you know, why there are no lifeboats in Atkins is like because, you know, I 
steer my ship with a steady hand or whatever. Yeah, or stuff something, like some yeah. shit like that. Stuff you know? to just build him up. Or if you have them on there and then something happens to them. Actually, that's yeah. even better, I think. If yeah. the lifeboats burn or something, yeah, like something like fire, that, yeah. somebody burns the lifeboats. Elizabeth burns the lifeboats. She gets yeah. told by Dracula to, you know, it's a bit. Like it'd be a nice moment, you know. You can just imagine like everything's going to be fine, and then Atkins and Nichols run out, and just the lifeboats are just on fire. Yeah, good. yeah. That, that's a good moment. That's a really good moment. Or they go off in boats. Two days later, you see the boat come back empty. Oh, yeah. yeah like good. maybe, maybe when they, they go off to the find like yes, in the fog. Yeah. yeah, I did. One, one of like ben, the, the remaining crew before everyone dies are like, "We're going. We're leaving. We're leaving. We're leaving." Mendelssohn leaves. Yeah, off they go. Yeah, you know, London's got to be near here, and then they're just like. Later on, it's like they're having this argument or they decide to go down to see Dracula. You just, the lifeboat just comes floating back and that's oh, when they decide to go man. down to see Dracula. Mm-hmm. <sighs> oh, just that insect speech though. Oh, You're so all good. ants. Oh. Do you love me some ants? Because I'm hearing it in like this slight Germanic lilt. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Transfer- and not like a full like Dracula, Dracula voice, but like a, just a soft Dracula voice. Yeah, not Gary Oldman Dracula. What are you talking about? That's an amazing. Or the, not not Bela Lugosi either. No. Mm. It's a good accent. It's a, it's a it's a terrifying accent. We're forgetting the, the best Dracula ever, which Richard Roxburgh from is that his name? The one in Van Helsing. I wasn't going to say the one. In <laughs> uh, I was going. Oh, to Jonathan s- Reese uh, Myers from the from TV, TV show. show. <laughs> Again, wasn't going to say him either. I was going to say Mr. Burns. Uh, that's <laughs> his episode. Oh, that's great! I oh. so this idea like originally was going to be a play, and I can see it. I it was going to be. I think you should. Well, yeah. I I expanded it a lot for this. It's much more streamlined as a play, and I don't know whether that works. I'll just sort of give you the quick pitch of it now. It's it's three acts, just three long scenes, and you've heard them already in here. Act one of the play is the dinner party where they talk about, like, we've already captured Dracula and weird things have happened, some crew are dying, that sort of thing. Act two is the, like, the prison scene, the long conversation between the captain and Dracula, and then scene three is, you know, time has passed, nearly everyone's dead, and they're all locked in that sort of room with Dracula. When all the you know confessions come out and everyone dies, and that's the play. I don't know yeah, whether it works. works but I think you could do both. Yeah, I think the film lends itself to having some really great elements, like more stuff happening on the boat, like yeah. Nichols's death, all that kind yeah. of stuff. But then I think a play would be would be really good. Mm. I I love the three act play idea, Connie. Yeah. Um, like I mean, you easy have, stage yeah. too. Simple. Absolutely. Set. Yeah. Yeah. That's my thinking anyway. That's my Dracula. That's I love it. I. Just, it's great. I don't really make any apology for the fact that it perhaps doesn't stick to the book properly. No, or any well, of that. no, but that's, but that's okay. the thing; it does because there's not they don't give you that. Well, much yeah, they don't in really. It's pretty vague, you, isn't yeah, it? It's kind of the captain's he... log, isn't it? It's like, oh, and then first mate was gone. In the book, like it's implied that there's probably like five people on the ship, and that's it. I've beefed it up a bit because I want a lot of people to die. <laughs> I think, well, as you're saying, we were talking earlier. You're saying, Elisa, like Bram Stoker's Bram Stoker. That's Bram Stoker at all. That sounds Good. like a porn star version of Dracula. <laughs> I mean, Bram Stoker's Dicula. Bound, bound, bound. He wants to come and suck you off. Anyway, it's um, pitch. Way, it's my it's my Dicula pitch. Uh, is that that Stoker's the rights were never for the book, so. You, you could literally, because you don't have to appeal to an estate in particular for this kind of thing, you can do anything with the Dracula character. Like he's yeah. shown up. He's fought Batman. There is an animated Batman film, Batman versus Dracula. That's wonderful. Which Batman also, teams up with Ra's al Ghul <laughs> to kill Dracula. Do you guys know, it's actually possibly my favourite version of Dracula, but only because I really liked it when I was 14. I've still got fond memories of it. Um, do you know Van Helsing? No, Helsing, the anime. 
Oh, I haven't seen it. I've heard know? great yeah. things. No. It's the first, because there were two Alucard. different versions. And Alucard in Dracula, yeah, yeah the, in Helsing, sorry. The first version of Helsing, there was based on a manga which gets fucking weird. Like, it basically is about the Helsing organization, who are like present day London organization. Uh, the lead is Integra Helsing, who's the descendant of Abraham Van Helsing. Yep. Uh, you, you don't actually find that out until way down the line, but basically they hunt vampires, and their head vampire hunter is Alucard, which is Dracula backwards. And the idea is that Abraham Van Helsing didn't kill Dracula, he bonded him to his family. And Dracula has sort of been stuck to them ever since. And in the comic series, they go on and they fight Nazis who've been hiding in South America for years, (laughs) and they come back with vampires and werewolves. And I think the whole second half of the comic is just a massive all-out fight in London between, like, Nazi Zeppelins with vampire Nazis all against, like, the Helsing. (laughs) And then at one point... Uh, Alucard, because you find out more about him being Dracula, and then from that you find out more about him being Vlad the Impaler. And from that, there's a scene where he, I think he recalls, like, or he cuts himself and he, like, basically lets out his familiars, which is everybody he's ever killed. And so you've got, like, you know, an armies of, like, you know, crusader warriors and all this shit. Like, it, it's, it's fucking it's cool. mental. Anyway, uh, don't bother with that. The original, original <laughs> anime, they made two different anime shows, but the second one was based, because when they made the first one, the whole manga wasn't out yet, so mm. the first half of it is they loosely... They often do that with yeah, anime. Yeah, and then it goes off and it's... Yeah, the first the first series kind of goes off in its own direction after the first half. The second series really closely adheres to the original, and the first series is much better. Like, it's really, really cool, and it kind of, like, leans into the mythology in really interesting ways, and I think the characterization of Alucard is this, like, Dracula who's sort of bored and has been, like, tethered to his family for years, and he sort of just wants to be out murdering people. But in his time doing this, he's not quite developed a heart, but it's sort of – it's – I don't know. I, I thought it was really cool. That's very stylish. So it's a much stronger depiction of Dracula than um, – is it Dom Purcell in Blade Trinity? Have you guys yes. seen that one? <laughs> no, yes. I haven't. He plays the original vampire who is Dracula. Yeah. And also Luke Evans in the recent dish one. Dracula Untold. Which I didn't I hate. I have seen that. I didn't mind that one. Charles Dance. Charles Dance is in it. Plays plays the vampire who makes Dracula Dracula. Do you know how I was thinking of just while we are talking about that on other actors? Yeah. If you didn't want to go with Christian Bale because of the issue of him not being relatable. Yep. Can I suggest to you a fassbender? Okay, because I was talking to yeah. a friend last night about this pitch. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to a friend about a pitch about this Dracula pitch last night and he said, oh, man, the captain is Fassbender. And I was like, I don't want to use Fassbender because all the pitches we've done lately have had Fassbender. <laughs> yeah, but- did we cast Fassbender as Bruce Springsteen? Yeah, well, we did, yeah. Yeah, 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 we yeah. Did. Even though he's probably- <laughs> <laughs> Hey, he'll make it work, all right? <laughs> I, but I think yeah. Fassbender- No, because I agree. Because then what you could do is you could kind of make want Bale the first mate. And I know you love John Hawk. Uh, Bale, like, the first mate character's not big enough to get, like, a Christian Bale, though. Well, Christian Bale could play Gibson. Yeah. Okay. Because, so, the only, the only, this is the other thing I had with terms of character. This is weird. I'm not focusing on any plot points. I'm focusing (laughs) on, like, hypothetical casting points. (laughs) Sure. But that's how I like to think. Yeah. I think Fassbender, you could get a lot of heart from him. Yeah. You know, he's got that great kind of Fassbender-y way of talking. That's Mm -hmm. real sexy. Uh, And. Yes. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, but. I'll admit it. I'll admit With it too. Gibson being Benedict Cumberbatch yeah. and also being a Victorian era detective. Yep. I feel yeah. like people are just gonna be like, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. Look, I didn't okay. yeah. it didn't cross I didn't, my mind. I didn't think very long about who to cast. It was now kind of it was like, really once I had Mads Mickelson, I just was happy with well, Mads is the whatever best. around. Like here. that is yeah. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Like Gibson could be anyone. It could be If you wanted to keep Bale in it. Yeah. If you want to go with the internet's other boyfriend. Yeah. The internet's other. You're just angry that Tom Hiddleston's dating Taylor Swift. I'm so angry that Tom Hiddleston's dating Taylor Swift. Don't worry, mate. It won't last. And then you can listen to the album and it'll all be great. 
I just want Taylor Swift to write a song about me. <laughs> I just want her to break my heart and abandon yeah. me and write a song about me. That's all I want. <laughs> you want to date her, have the relationship go bad. Oh, no, I, dude, I know what I'm getting in for. Right, okay. I, I know, I'm, I'm resigned to it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm committed. Well, he knows he can't make it work. <laughs> it's the, No, I can't make it's it very work. Very brave of him to admit that. And she'll break my heart and she'll abandon me and then she'll write a song about me. And then and you can write a play about her and a, and a movie. Okay. And, yeah. It's okay. I, I think it's I, – I know what I'm getting in for. I'm committed. It'll be worth it. Do you reckon by the time – Because I love Tay-Tay. You, you'll potentially <laughs> end up put, you know, in the weird, bizarre world in which you date Taylor Swift. Will it what be a case world, of – bizarre world, Tom? It's the real world. Uh, will it be a case of, you know, <laughs> Gabe Bergmoser versus <laughs> Taylor Swift's seven evil ex-boyfriends? <laughs> <laughs> I – so no, because they all seem really buff, and I feel like they could beat me up. <laughs> that's the plot of Scott Pilgrim. That dude. is actually the plot of Scott Pilgrim. That's true. I reckon you could take heels. Yeah, no, he's, yeah. he's a weedy man. I'm a weedy man. I think that could work. See, um, I feel like he, I, feel I think like... he just looks weedy when he's like standing next to the Hulk. I and think did, that's true. Yeah. Did, did she don't? Did she date like a, a Jonas brother or like yeah. a One Directioner? Really or early on, something. Yeah, I could take them. Yeah, yeah. Could you take John Mayer? I don't think you could. No, He'd fight dirty no, as fuck. No, I couldn't take him. <laughs> or um, Calvin Harris looks reasonably muscly. I, I think he See, again, though, that's, 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 that's a film. So Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. That's Scott Pilgrim. So you've got yeah. the, the, the little preppy loser guy from the Jonas Brothers to start <laughs> yep. with. Then you launch into – then you have uh, John Mayer, who's basically the, the vegan guitarist. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. Or, or Chris Evans, actually, because he's got a, he's a big, successful dude. And then you have you – have, No, isn't Tom Hiddleston the Chris Evans pro? No, no, no. Tom it Hiddleston – It would be really funny if Tom Hiddleston was the well, Chris Evans type. Actually, that would be very funny. Because yeah, you wouldn't yeah, yeah. expect it. And also yeah. because meta. But um, And then Calvin Harris is obviously the twins. Yep. 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 Uh, Who's the lady? Lena Dunham, obviously. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, or it's that girl – why do I know so much about Taylor Swift? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't associate. I didn't think Lena Dunham, and I should know more about Taylor Swift than you. Tom, you want a song written about you as well? Is that what this is? No, I just weirdly retain information that doesn't help me in any shape or form at all. Um, I feel like I've sullied Dracula too by just pitching this Taylor Swift <laughs> version of Taylor Swift Scott Pilgrim at the up. end. So I'm really sorry, Carney. No, I'd like to hand it back like over it. to you. If that's okay. <laughs> I got nothing left to give, um, mate. <laughs> could I say? What would be yeah. interesting as well mm. It's like, like the whole thing about Dracula is that it's about xenophobia yep. and then also with the female characters in it, it's all about like uh, the Victorian's fear of female sexuality because like mm. when the the women in Dracula... I'd know Dracula, that if I'd read the book. Yeah. So <laughs> in, in the book they meet one of the first turned vampires yeah. is this woman who was like really pure and lovely and now that she turned to a vampire she's like super sexual Lucy. Yeah, yeah Lucy yeah. she's like super sexual and that's why they kind of kill her and yeah. know that she isn't yeah. so I wanted to be something interesting to do with the wife if there's some sort of yeah I was like how do I bring a connection with her and Dracula and then I ended up like her connection was with Gibson through the crime mm-hmm. thing back in the day but you could definitely play around with that is it kind of a bit Stereotypical though, like is that what you would Dracula expect straight away? Oh, there's a woman on board, away, and like Dracula's Dracula going to seduce her. Yeah. Well, see, see yeah, that, that could work. Though, the, the first red herring, though. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. True. yeah. 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 A nice twist that she goes to Dracula rather than the other way around. Mm. Yeah, and the twist is that she's, it's and not like, I would prefer the idea yeah. of them her meeting Dracula, being like, "I need something from you. You yeah. need something from me." That is more interesting to me than. But you, because you play on the belief of the 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 pan. It's well, because the whole vampires are sexy. I think I said this in in your Twilight pitch Mm. because it's all it's biting the neck. That's a sexy thing. Necks are sexy. Yeah, and And there's Dracula. Dracula wanted wives. The whole thing is he wants brides. Yeah, and fucks them all. And people are like, no, don't be doing that. (laughs) We. 
Ford would just rule. Um, Transylvanian townspeople. Transylvanian townspeople. <laughs> what are you doing? Actually, there's always something fun in the idea that, like, because, you know, obviously Dracula is very sexualized and has always been, like, a sort of a romantic character. And, you know, he wants brides and he wants all of that. But, like, I almost like the idea that you put Dracula in a situation that is almost predominantly men and his motivation Has is just, I'm just going to fuck with all of you. Yeah, I like that. Like, there's no seduction. There's, yeah. This is like the this is the ugly side of, I mean, uh, the ugly side of Dracula is that he eats people and he's yeah. Dracula. But, like, this is the side of him that isn't seductive and sexy and, like. Yeah. What would also be interesting is if he is seductive and sexy and is trying to seduce the men and the men are like, no, nah, fuck off, I'm not gay, but maybe I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you, <laughs> could, actually, you, be you gay. could play with that. That yeah, would be kind of fun, too. Because um, Dracula would definitely, he's bi, like, he goes both ways. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Dracula's bar guys like on Tinder. He's just like, oh yeah, I've been running on everything. There's that. There's the element to the story too, I guess, which I don't really touch on. Is that the reason he's going to London is for Mina Harker, who is like the I don't know, reincarnation of like his love from 400 years ago that I mentioned sort of briefly at the end. Yeah, yeah, taken okay. from him. Yeah, which, is weird. which we'll I, ju- I mean, I don't know. You could play with that a little bit. I, was, I almost like the idea if you get to the end of the film and Dracula sort of spells that out to you that he's doing it all for that woman and you kind of like end up on his side by the end and he walks off the boat and you're like, good, yeah, that's a hero moment. The good guy got away. Yeah. Yeah. Only you, the lover of a man who set his daughter on fire, would yes. be like, yeah, Dracula's the hero, hero here. <laughs> well, you know, he's pretty heroic. No, I don't know. On that note, I've been Sean. I've been Elise. I've been Tom. I've been Gabe. And if you guys have any ideas of how to improve Sean's Dracula, although why you would, I don't know, because um, that was beautiful, email us in at sanspantsradio at gmail.com or on Twitter at sanspantsradio or our personal Twitters. I'm at Gobergmoser. I'm at Sidekick of Dowie. I'm at, at Elise, AT. And I'm at Awkward Treat. Finn. <laughs> this show is worth at least a dollar, why not donate to our Patreon account? Follow the links on our website, sanspantsradio.com.